Good news, good news, good news. Welcome to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and we have some great news to share with you, but not the least of which is, oh my goodness, <laughs> it's Good News Friday, and we've got giveaways. Not one, not two, not three, not four, but five copies of two different books that we're going to give away today. We're going to get into how to break generational curses. We're going to get, Those are real. And we've got an expert who's going to join us to talk about that. We're also going to get into spiritual warfare, which a lot of people have picked up on, of course, because of the fact that you've got Israel and Hamas going at it with each other and, uh, you know, the Russian-Ukraine thing where you've got, you know, essentially two warring nations that it's not so much about who beats whom, but what we're getting into position-wise for the end times. And then, of course, knowing there are Christians on both sides, there are Christians on every side of this. Not that there are Christians in Hamas, or part of Hamas, but uh, the Palestinian Christians that have been victimized by Hamas for the past 20 years are just trying to find a place to live peacefully in, in the middle of all this conflict. So we're going to get into all that. Um, we're to talk about the... Uh, uh, a great book by Adam Davis and Dave Grossman on spiritual combat, 30 Missions for Victorious Spiritual Warfare. And it's a book that's designed for military members, law enforcement, first responders, etc. But uh, it, it's really have applicable lessons for all of us, too. And then uh, Pastor Alexander Pagani is going to join me uh, to talk about the secrets to generational curses and how to break them, break from the stronghold in the bloodline. Uh, so if you want to start calling now, you may as well, because we've got lots of stuff to give away. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Before we go any further, though, um, would be remiss if we did not offer a well-done, good and faithful servant to a man by the name of Lauren Cunningham. Now, you may be familiar with the name Lauren Cunningham. You may not be familiar with the name Lauren Cunningham. Let me learn you a little bit about him, as they would say. Uh, Lauren Cunningham started a global missions group, Youth with a Mission, YWAM as you call it, back in 1960. He was born in California, right here in the, the, the Golden State, in 1935. And by 1948, right after the end of World War II, he felt called to ministry. He, retend, he attended a revival meeting that year, gave his life to the Lord. And so while in 1956, the age of 21, he was staying at the home of a missionary and he said, I basically had a vision. Uh, he said, suddenly I was looking at a map of the world. Only the map was alive and it was moving. I could see people on all the continents and all the waves were crashing onto their shores. Every wave went onto a continent, then receded, and then came up further until it covered the continent completely. The waves turned into young people. You know, we're talking people in their 20s and you know lower. Uh, covering all the continents of the globe. They were talking to people on street corners, outside bars, they were going from house to house, preaching the gospel. They came from everywhere and uh, went to everywhere, and they cared for people. And, and then just as suddenly as that vision had come my way, it was gone. And so in 1960, at the age of 25, Lauren Cunningham launched the organization Youth with a Mission. And basically, Youth with a Mission, I mean, they have, psh, take your pick, the YWAM Olympic outreaches, the International Torch Run, uh, Cardinal Points Prayer Days, University of the Nations, YWAM Ships, Pray OMT, among others. This is a guy who is the author of several books, uh, like, Is That Really You, God? And Making Jesus Lord, Daring to Live on the Edge, The Book That Transforms Nations, and We Can End Bible Poverty Now. 
Um, there are many people who have credited YWAM as among the world's largest and most significant missions movements in our lifetime. Started in, you know, one, <laughs> one chapter back in 1960, there are now 2,000 chapters of Youth with a Mission in nearly every country on the globe. So that vision he had of the waves of water sweeping over the continents and becoming young people, I think is important for a couple of reasons. First and foremost, the fact that, you know, any missionary outreach that has that kind of impact is something that is praiseworthy and we should be giving God the glory for the work that he did with Lauren Cunningham. Secondly, though, and, and this is something I think we can learn. Lauren Cunningham, by the way, was 88 years of age. Um, he had been diagnosed recently with stage four cancer. Um, he uh, looks like in March, uh, he and his wife, had uh, they were in Hawaii visiting or they were living there. I'm not sure by the report. Um, but basically they, uh, he, they did a full body scan and they discovered uh, stage four cancer. And his wife gave an update afterwards that said, we've already decided as a family to prioritize his quality of life over trying to extend the length of time. So they decided not to do radiation, chemo, that type of stuff. But, you know, and, and, and to, the way he lived, the way he died. The fact that Lauren Cunningham, 88 years of age, had the means to go through the full treatment. And again, I'm not saying that people shouldn't go through those kinds of treatments. But he said, look, I'm 88 years old. You know, I, I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I've talked to so many people of late who've had that conversation. My siblings and I have had that conversation. Our parents are 90. You ask the question, okay, how, and we have a lot of bottom line listeners who are in their 80s and 90s, so I'm not suggesting that there's any sort of finish line, but okay, once you hit this age, then you're too old. Uh, but the, the, nonetheless, it, there really is a quality of life issue that we need to be mindful of, I believe, in God's economy. And Lauren Cunningham understood it. He knew as a young man, well, as a boy, he wanted to be a missionary. As a young man, he started a youth ministry organization that is now spread to 2,000 countries or 2,000 chapters in countries all over the world. And the fact that Youth with a Mission is still uh, honoring God in this way, I think is, is really noteworthy. But please understand too, it took a vision by a boy acted upon by a young man to motivate whom? Young people. We have a culture right now, unfortunately, that caters to young people rather than challenges them. Now, that's a gross overgeneralization, but if you look at statistical analysis, you find that we are less resilient as a nation. You know, the young people were the ones, remember the, I mean, <laughs> I saw a meme, Jim Garlow posted this, and um, Reverend Garlow's been a contributor to uh, the Bottom Line Show for many years, former pastor at Skyline Wesleyan here in San Diego. And I, the, the meme he quoted was he said, you know, back during World War II, boys were lying about their age so they could enlist and fight for their country. He said, today, boys are lying about their gender so they can win championships. I mean, you, you look at an organization like YWAM and you see internationally what's happened, but the more and more we look back on the legacy of Lauren Cunningham, the founder of Youth with a Mission, passed away from cancer uh, recently at the age of 88. Um, he basically, oh, and he was home, Kona, Hawaii, so I mean, that's where he retired to. Um, the idea that, uh, that the young people are being challenged to do this, I wonder how many young people really know what the gospel message is and can communicate it. And I mean that sincerely. I mean, I remember being a young guy and all the bands are playing the songs about let's go take the world for Christ and let's go preach the gospel and let's share the good news. And now Christian music, using that as one example, has become a, 
well, you know, I feel good. I feel good. I'm God's kid. I feel good. God feels good about me, so I feel good about me too. You know, and, and, and I just, I, I think it's time for another Lauren Cunningham to rise. And I'm hoping that maybe even someone hearing this message would say, how do we get young people not only educated, as George Barner would say, biblically literate, but then motivated to preach the gospel before the Lord returns? It's a stewardship issue, to be sure. Well, maybe one of the reasons why we're seeing less and less of this is something that I don't think a lot of us pay too much attention to. And that is the fact that you ever wondered why certain people wind up in certain situations in their family. And you look at the son who's recently uh, uh, you know, gone through a legal challenge or whatever, and then you realize that dad had the same problem and his dad had the same problem and his dad. And you, after a while, you're just like, wow, what is in their DNA? Well, you have to wonder, maybe it's DNA and maybe it is an actual generational curse. Maybe it's something, and you see this back in the Old Testament. They talk about, you know, I mean, there's a lot of uh, talk about, you know, the curse, you know, that would go from one generation to the next. And then you see God saying, but I will not punish the children for the sins of the fathers. And you wonder, how does this all work? And are these things that we're dealing with in the culture right now? Uh, Alexander Pagani is the founder of Amazing Church in the Bronx. He's an apostolic Bible teacher. He's got really great insights into the demonic and generational curses and deliverance. And he's written a book called The Secrets, of Gen- the Secrets to Generational Curses, Break the Strongholds in the Bloodline. It's a follow-up to his book called The Secrets to Deliverance. It's an extremely popular book on Amazon and wherever, uh, you know, a couple hundred five-star ratings all across the board. People are really benefiting from what Pastor Pagani has to say. And so I'm grateful that we have some time with him. And also he came bearing gifts. Um, Not one, not two, not three, but four copies of this book. And I'm telling you now, because once you hear, uh, we get into this conversation and you get to hear the first couple of moments of our dialogue, you're going to be blessed by this. Uh, So the book Secrets to Generational Curses is up at thebottomlineshow.com. Four copies of the book to give away here on this Good News Friday, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Pastor Alexander Pagani is next as the bottom line continues. Well, what exactly is a generational curse? Is that something that happened just in the Old Testament and now all of a sudden, you know, it's gone, we don't have to worry about it anymore? Or is this something that actually gets into our families, into our homes, into our lives even today? And uh, is there a way that we can break through them? Joining me today here on The Bottom Line Show is a man who has a brand new book on this topic. His name is Alexander Pagani, and his uh, book is called The Secrets to Generational Curses, which we have a link up at thebottomlineshow.com for as well. Alexander Pagani, welcome to The Bottom Line Show. Thank you for having me on, and I'm excited about talking about this topic. So let's flesh this out and let's see what the Lord has. Let's do that. And before we do, I just want to make mention for those who are watching on myhopenow.com, if you're not watching, on, if you're listening on terrestrial radio, you definitely need to go back to myhopenow.com when we're done, because you want to see Alexander's beard. It is epic. And this is, it's the best beard we've ever featured on the bottom line show. So I have to just put this out. Alexander Pagani is the founding uh, founder of Amazing Church in Bronx. He's an apostolic Bible teacher, has some insight onto the realm of demonic and generational curses. When did you realize, Alexander, that this was the gift that God had given you? Well, um, unfortunately, it was when I myself, as a pastor of a thriving church in the Bronx many years ago, I had a small 
brief uh, addiction to pornography and I was looking to get mm. that free and I couldn't mm -hmm. find anybody that could help me through it. And counseling didn't work. Not saying counseling doesn't work. Uh, tried every other uh, venue or, you know, way or outreach to try to get free. It wasn't until I asked the Holy Spirit and he said the ministry of deliverance. So when I got free, I went on a campaign to help as many people get free such as I did. Mm, I'm so glad to hear that because, and I appreciate you sharing that too, because we put so much pressure on pastors to be perfect. And when it finds, when it turns out that we have feet of clay, just like everybody else does, and you find yourself in a situation like that, where do you find help? And the fact that you were able to find it and now are helping others uh, to break these generational cur curses is so helpful. Uh, you, talk about epigenetics, if you will. What exactly is that? What, why is it important for us to understand? Well, epigenetics is a scientific discovery, which in the last 10 years, and you your listeners and viewers can go look this up where um, they have discovered that the cells in your body um, based on the human genome are receptors of information, which means the histones in your cells tell what your DNA to do. Once, mm. your, once your cells or your genes learn how to do it based on the information that's given to it, then the genome doesn't need to keep repeating, telling it what to do consistently over and over and over again. Well, generational curses fits uh in that paradigm and interesting in that, in that worldview so what you find people are genetically predisposed not everyone but they are there is information in the bloodline that's transferred down from one generation to the next whether good or bad that people are uh genetically predisposed to that pattern of behavior waiting for the right conditions to either activate it or deactivate it so yeah mm. fascinating fascinating it, re it, it really is i know some people who've wrestled say with alcohol addiction or whatever and you look back at the family tree and say, well, wait a minute, you know, that acorn didn't fall too far from it because, right. you know, uh, son had it, dad had it, you know, whatever else, it just kind of goes on from there. And I realized just as you were sharing that, um, my sister's kind of a nut for Ancestry.com. She can kind of trace our family tree, oh you know, yeah, but all, back to a certain level. But we just know names and birthdays. We don't know about generational curses. We don't know what kind of people these people were, um, you know, and so it, it's, it, I wonder how many people in the body of Christ right now have a generational curse that could potentially be activated. What what are the types of triggers? Are they all cultural? Are they all physical? Or is there a supernatural component to this? Well, I think um, I think you hit it on the head. I think it's a mixture or a buffet of all of those things. Uh, okay. Let me first and rightly say say this: uh, everything is not a generational curse, just like everything is not a demon. Mm -hmm. But there's never a moment. Uh, where the devil is not involved somewhere. And there's never a moment where things aren't uh, uh, generational. You know, this is why even in God's name, um, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's generational, which means right. God, is, God is viewing uh, things from a generational uh, perspective. This is why Jesus also said you must be born again, which means there could be things that are genetically being passed down from the bloodline. I would say it would depend on the situation or the case that is at hand. Um, and when God reveals that this situation um, could be the result of a generational curse, and I think the believer should kind of follow that trail to get their ultimate freedom, at least in that area. Now, let me just throw this out there also for your viewers and listeners. This is not a salvation issue. You know, uh, we are saved by faith alone by Amen. Christ alone, through the word of God alone. But this is a renewing of your mind situation. I think this is the reason why Paul said, renew your mind. It's not just changing your thoughts. He is actually saying, reprogram 
the cells, the cells that are there, the, in, the that which receives information. And this is why James also says, when a person is tempted, do not say they're being tempted by God. You're drawn away by your own lust. That word own lust is mm -hmm. epigenetics, which means it's actually there. It's yours. It's yours to you as an individual. It might not necessarily be to the next person. So we could kind of flesh that out. You got me excited. Yeah. You can see my passion. I'm already excited. <laughs> I feel like preaching right now. <laughs> I love it. Pastor Alexander Pagani is with me today here on The Bottom Line. Uh, this brand new book is really catching a lot of people's attention. It's called The Secrets to Generational Curses. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And we'll also link his previous book, The Secrets to Deliverance as well. Uh, take us through, I mean, can you use yourself as an example? I mean, you mentioned here you are a pastor of a thriving church and the porn addiction shows up. And it, was it something that was rekindled? I mean, uh, how deep do you want to go into this to kind of help us understand the difference between just general sin and a uh, generational curse. Well, it depends on how deep you want to go. I'm ready okay. to go there. If you want to go there okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm, from the, I'm from the Bronx, so we're, we're always living in the in the ex, in the extremes. You know? Yeah, without, yeah. You know, without making it, you know, a long dragged out uh, story. I come from drug culture, which means my parents mm. are from the 1970s. You know, I've been saved in the gospel 30 years. I got saved in 1992 while serving Amen. nine years in prison. So, mm. at a very very early age, I am the direct result of drug gang culture. So, uh, my dad who is now both my parents are saved and I'm their pastor their members oh, of the that's, wonderful. that's an amazing testimonial yeah there. but my family were coming out of the era of the David Wilkerson the David Wilkerson mm -hmm. uh, era where uh, a gang and drug culture um, they had gotten saved but then my dad and my parents they backslid from the ways of the Lord mm -hmm. um, and it was simply because uh, my dad loved the Lord but he had uh, these uh, traits that were hadn't been resolved in. So then here I am, I get, I'm born, my parents are, are divorced. And by the age of, and I just clearly remember when it started, I remember watching my parents do drugs, living gang life, you know, gang culture. And I remember making a promise, I'm never gonna do that. But at the age of 12, I drank uh, my first bottle of alcohol at the age of 12, mm. you know? Mm. And from there it started, you know, started me on a, on a journey that I couldn't. So I, what I hated, I ended up becoming. So at the age of 14, now I'm facing one year in juvenile detention. Mm. Wow. I come home and before the year is over, I'm now facing 21 years in prison. So here I am sitting in prison. Oh. Uh, my whole life is in prison. That's kind of like where I get saved. And maybe we could talk about that a little bit later, how yeah. my conversion experience. But it was there that I began to realize, you know, and even the, the brief moments where I was uh, in releasing the street, that I was li literally living out the experience of my father. Now watch this. I become born again in prison. And about maybe two months into my uh, conversion experience with Christ, a demon speaks to me audibly mm. and says, and says this, I'm going to make you backslide like I did your father. Mm. That's wow. what came to my thoughts mm -hmm. and a uh, fear gripped me. And immediately within a couple of months after that, um, I got addicted, you know, to pornography. I still grew in ministry within the prison. I get released and I travel the East Coast sharing my, you know, my testimony of my prison experience. I get involved in ministry. Um, I get called to the pastorate. I'm pastoring. I inherit a church from the denomination that I was a part of. The church is thriving. The church is thriving. Um, and then this gets introduced, the cell phone gets introduced and modern technology gets introduced to the church and the spiritual climate of our church drastically changed. So we went wow. from 
thriving church to mostly all of the men in our church addicted to pornography. You know, oh, wow. I lived in a time where you had to go to a porn shop to look at pornography. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. pornography is coming to you on your cell phone. Right. So, um, so in my quest and trying to help uh, as a good shepherd should do, helping uh, our membership uh, get free from whatever it is, this, this, this new war that we were in, well, I got addicted myself. Mm. And because my wow. theology from Bible school didn't adhere to that a Christian could have a demon, oppressed, yes, but demon on the inside, no. I ended up preaching against the ministry of deliverance while having and needing, having a demon and needing and needing deliverance. So that's kind of wow. like where this thing was was headed. And then I knew, I, re, I consistently remember man, I'm actually living out what this demon told me. I am struggling. Mm-hmm. And around that time, my dad was was backslidden at the time. I would try to bring up conversations about how it was as a Christian and why he backslid, and he evaded those questions. He was evading those questions. Mm-hmm. Now I kind of like know what happened or whatever the case may be. But that's when my journey began to at least maybe reconsider that a Christian could have a demon, not possessed or and mm-hmm. own, but just needing deliverance, and that a Christian could maybe have a generational curse active there. And then, well, here we are. I wrote, I wrote a book on it. Yeah, yeah. I, but with this... What a powerful testimony. We need to take a quick break just so I can catch my breath here. I mean, Alexander <laughs> Pagani is my guest. Pastor Pagani is the author of a brand new book called The Secrets to Generational Curses. If you've never thought about this before, or maybe you've wondered, why does it seem like my family's uh, quote unquote snake bit, you know, this type of situation, this book will help explain different types of curses, the difference between just a demonic possession and uh, not make, to make it ho-hum, but I mean, the, the fact that there is a difference between what happens when you are tormented by a demon versus actually being uh, into a generational curse, and then ways you can find deliverance and healing from that. We'll put a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. More of this conversation in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account, Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and the good news is if you feel like you're under some kind of demonic attack, if you feel like there's a generational curse and you just can't shake it, my guest today here on The Bottom Line, Pastor Alex Pagani, has a brand new resource that's helping people learn to identify the curses, to find out if it's just, you know, poor decision-making or real satanic attack, and then how to break the generational curse. The book is called The Secrets to Generational Curses. It's up at thebottomlineshow.com. We have not one, not two, not three, but four copies of this book to give away, and I'd love for you to have one. 800-227-5278. 
is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Have you ever found yourself asking the question, why do I keep doing that? You know, I mean, you'll have some pastors that say, if you've got habitual sin in your life, then you may not be saved. But I think there's a difference between the, you know, giving, surrendering your life to Christ by the prompting of the Holy Spirit, receiving the gift of faith that enables the gift of salvation to take hold, and then saying, but wait, now the Holy Spirit's in my heart doing this sanctifying work, cleaning out the old, you know, reforming me and reshaping me. And there's still, I mean, t- take your pick. I mean, we're not just talking about like Linda Blair and the exorcist type of sin. We're talking about, uh, you know, dysfunction, uh, legalism, uh, maybe a personality disorder. Maybe uh, maybe it's gluttony or slothfulness. I mean, maybe you come from a family. I remember in our church years ago, there was a family, one of the pastors, he was an associate pastor. Um, he and every member of his family was morbidly obese. I mean, we're talking 150 to 200 pounds too heavy. And eventually it ultimately cost him his life. I think physically he had a heart attack. He died at a very young age. And I had to ask the question, because I'm packing too much weight right now too. I had to ask the question at some point, does the the fact that our culture is trying to eliminate guilt and shame, you know, nobody should be ashamed of what they're doing. Be who you are, love who you love. If we're actually doing so at our detriment or to our detriment, you know what I mean? Using that as, or slothfulness. How about the, the those of us in the body of Christ who just have, as that old song said, they're get up and go, got up and went. I mean, we have work to be done. We have a kingdom to build on earth as it is in heaven. And how many of us have that relative, have that neighbor, have that friend who uh, is in the body of Christ, but just kind of drags? I mean, we kind of tease a little bit about that type of behavior. Sometimes it becomes part of a comedy routine, but it's not funny in God's economy. If you want to learn the secret to breaking generational curses, uh, Pastor Alexander Pagani's book is for you. And we have four copies we're giving away today here. 800-227-5278, 800 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. We'll take a quick break here, and when we come back, more of my conversation with pastor and prophet Alexander Pagani talking about the secrets to breaking generational curses. It's coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Pastor Alexander Pagani is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. Fascinating new book. You've got to check it out. We've got it posted at thebottomlineshow.com. It's called The Secrets to Generational Curses. It's the follow-up to his book, The Secrets to Deliverance. And uh, Pastor Pagani, uh, Pastor, he mentioned in the Bronx, are you bummed this year that your Bombers aren't in the playoffs? It's kind of a strange year for <laughs> baseball with no Yankees, right? I mean, you figured you guys would have base, playoff baseball all around you right about now. Yeah, um, that, that's unfortunate. That's the norm here out in the Bronx. But we've we've won so many World Series to last us a lifetime. So it's, yeah. it, we're okay. <laughs> no, ge- no generational curses with the Yankee franchise, at least not yet, anyway. That's, <laughs> that's, that's yet to be determined. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're talking not to make light of it, but I know there are some sports franchises, quite frankly, that might get a copy of your book and say, "How do we bust this thing wide open?" Uh, the, book, <laughs> the the book, "The Secrets of Generational Curses," is up at the bottom line. Shed.com. Before the break, uh, Pastor Alexander was sharing with us uh, his fascinating story of coming to faith, uh, being involved in that drug life that he was trying so hard to avoid that his parents got sucked up into, and his dad had a you know backsliding moment, and Pastor had one as well. Um, 
let's talk about you in the book you talk about there are certain different degrees of disobedience and levels of uncleanness i mean help us categorize this because i'm sure there's some people are saying you know you hear this a lot well they did this but at least they didn't do that you know i mean how do you are they rankable these different types of sins well first john chapter 5 actually says yes and i know that many of you viewers probably have never heard that because we tend to categorize sin all in the same level now yes all unrighteousness is sin that's what first john chapter 5 says but then he says there are sins that lead to death let me give you an example so if i have an argument with my wife and the rapture happens at this exact moment when we're both arguing with each other trust me mm -hmm. both of us are going to make our way to heaven arguing our way to heaven we both made the rapture <laughs> why because having a argument with your wife doesn't mean eternal damnation but if i commit adultery on my wife and the rapture happens now 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 i'm playing with fire and i'm playing russian mm. with my soul and that's that's a whole different ballgame but this is what first john chapter 5 says it says it says if any brother sees another brother committing a sin that doesn't lead to death you shall pray and god will grant that person life to them that commit a sin that doesn't lead to death then the next verse says and then there are sins that do lead to death i'm not saying you should pray for that which means Means there are different degrees of sin. This is why we have robbery in the first degree, robbery in the second degree, robbery in the third degree. The same is in scripture. This is why certain sins, God would literally take someone out and others he'd overlook. And that is predetermined on his own for counsel and knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. So there are five different degrees. And I talk about this in our book. You have violation and then you have sin. Then you have transgression. Then you have iniquity and then you have abomination. Mm. The, first, the first two are redeemable, but once you start getting into uh, transgression, uh, unrepented over a long period of time gets into iniquity. Iniquity is now there's an altering of your DNA. This is why when God talks about iniquity, he's always talking about healing iniquity because this goes into epigenetic modification. Let me give you an example, yeah. uh, very concise is, let's say, you let's say you're a Christian who's committing the transgression of lying. Well, you're a Christian who's lying. Now, if you live long-term lying without repenting, well, through epigenetic modification, you go from a Christian who's committing a lie to now you're a liar. Now mm. you're a liar, mm -hmm. which means now you don't need to be tempted by it you are genetically predisposed to that. And the Bible kind of like talks about the reprobate mind, seared conscience, right. a spirit of delusion. I really flesh that out. So yes, there are different degrees of sin, but I have great news. Jesus became the curse to break and sever every generational curse, whether first degree, second degree, third degree. You got to get my book to be able to flesh that out. But yes, there are different degrees of sin. And first John chapter one, chapter five talks about it. You know, I wonder, I'm talking with Pastor Alexander Bagani today here on The Bottom Line. His book is called The Secrets to Generational Curses, and we have a link for it up at thebottomlineshow.com. When I think about the, uh, you know, the, the, the suffering, the death of Jesus on the cross, his blood being shed for us, and for the forgiveness of sin, oftentimes it does seem pretty transactional, doesn't it? We've sinned against God. Here's this whole laundry list. Here's the bill, if you will. Jesus right. paid the bill at the end. But as you're describing the five different types, right. you know, of this, the, the, these different degrees and different levels, begin to realize there's so much more to it than, than him just saying, put it on my tab. 
Right. I mean, it, talk about that. Well, I, I think it has to do with what I call, and I deal with this in the first chapter of my book, I think it's all about misinformation. We've been given misinformation concerning this topic. You know, a Christian can't have a generational curse. Then why do we attend funerals for other believers who have gone on to be with the Lord? If you sit here and say, well, it's the direct result of sin, then you've just proved my point. Who said Adam <laughs> sin? Well, isn't that a generational curse? So what does this mean? It means Jesus at the cross broke the power of sin, not the presence of sin. Just like Jesus at the cross broke the power of the curse, not the presence of curses. We are still going to be dealing with this up until he returns again and death is swallowed up in victory. John mm. chapter 1 verse 7 says, if any man confess his sin, he is faithful, that's relationship, and mm -hmm. just, that's legal, to forgive us of our sin, and most evangelicals stop there. We literally just stop at that point. It doesn't end there. It says, and to cleanse us of all oh, unrighteousness. unrighteousness. Wait a second. It didn't say that you committed unrighteousness. It says you committed a sin. Unrighteousness is the curse. So let me just kind of paraphrase it uh, without uh, being into eisegesis. And let me just read it to you so that to help you understand it. It just basically says this. Not only if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin as a result of his work on the cross, but not only that, but to cleanse you from the curse that actually empowers it. Now, here's where we still might still struggle with it because we'll say that's impossible. John wasn't talking to unbelievers. Right. The chapter opens up saying, I write unto you, dear children. It's talking to Christians. So yes, a Christian can have a generational curse that's there. It doesn't affect your salvation, but mm -hmm. it does need to be dealt with. And uh, the efficacy of Christ's work on the cross appropriated rightly. And then not only will you just be in an endless cycle of, forgive me, Lord, and then messing up, forgive me, Lord. No, he'll break the curse that's actually empowering it. Boy, Pastor Alexander Pagani is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. This is an amazing conversation. What a great concept. The Secrets to Generational Curses. Uh, we've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Just a couple minutes left in our time together, Pastor. But uh, you you leave us with some hope at the end of the book where you talk about some strategies to keeping the bloodline cleansed. And I know that that would have benefited you. You're young in the faith and you've got a generational curse that you didn't know about. And all of a sudden, you know, it manifests itself years later. What are some of the ways that you talk about uh, maybe two of the more effective ways to keeping the bloodline cleansed in this way? Well, number one is uh, identifying it, truly mm -hmm. identifying it, all right, and not uh, miscategorizing it as a mistake. No, it's a sin, and not miscategorizing it as it's the work of the flesh. No, this might be a curse, all right? So it's actually uh, found, and this is how you identify it. Number one, if it can be crucified and the problem disappears, it was a flesh issue. But okay. if you crucify it and the problem persists, it's a demon. If you go through a deliverance session, um, after you've identified as a demon and the problem still persists, it's a generational curse. That's mm. the dichotomy. That's the threefold way of okay. doing it. But once you actually identify it, then now what I would have I would say is this is intercession. The word intercession means to plea or to plea bargain. This is why Jesus said this kind doesn't come out, but by prayer and fasting. I would say number one, and the rest of you, you got to go get the book, is once you identify that it's a curse, 
get into a season of intercession with fasting. Why? Because fasting deals with the bloodline issue. This is why the disciples asked and said, why couldn't we cast it out? He said, because this particular kind doesn't get resolved, but by prayer and fasting. So the answer is number one. You asked me for two. The answer number one is prayer, but the prayer is intercession, plea okay. bargaining. And number two is the fasting. Why? Because Isaiah chapter 8, 58 says, it's not the fast that I've chosen to loose the bands of wickedness or the ropes, which means the ropes within the bloodline that are keeping your household, household bound. Jesus wants to set you free for every person that's listening to me under the sound of my voice. There's hope. Seek him, intercede for him and do a plea bargain with him because Jesus, your advocate, has already won the case for you. Amen. Amen. Pastor Alexander Pagani. The Secrets of Generational Curses. Thank you for sharing this insight with us. Thanks for the book, of course, which we've got up at thebottomlineshow.com and along with your book, The Secrets to Deliverance as well. Uh, God, God's richest blessings to you and your family, sir, as you continue to preach this message that will lead people to salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Thanks for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Thank you for having me. And I want to encourage all of your viewers to follow me on YouTube and Facebook. That's where if you want to learn more about this topic. Thank you for having me on. Powerful conversation with Alexander Pagani today here on The Bottom Line. The book, The Secrets to Generational Curses, is up at thebottomlineshow.com. And we have not one, not two, not three, not four. Well, no, we do have four. Four copies of the book that we're giving away right now. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. The number to get you through to the bottom line. Generational curses are a bummer. No problem, no question there. But God promises deliverance, and you can find a way to break free from those curses. Find these principles in the brand new book, The Secret to Generational Curses by Alexander Pagani. 800-227-5278. The number to get you through to the bottom line. Hey, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, remember yesterday we were talking about uh, my conversation with uh, Pastor Bishop Kenneth Ulmer and racial reconciliation, and it was an interview we recorded right in the middle of the George Floyd uprising and whatnot. Um, what is it like for people who are first responders who serve in the military or they're in law enforcement and they need to learn how to live a victorious life for uh, overcoming the trauma that they're trying to heal? Uh, Adam Davis has a brand new book out called On Spiritual Combat, 30 Missions for Victorious Warfare. It's a great 30-day devotional book, and we're going to have a conversation about what it means, whether you're in the military or law enforcement or a first responder or basically all the rest of us. We can all benefit, especially as the spiritual warfare gets more intense in the culture we're living in. That's coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. You've been hurt in an accident, and you're wondering if you should call Stephanie Cover of Cover Law. You must. That's why insurance exists, to cover accidents. So you should use it. Stephanie worked in the insurance industry for over 20 years, and she knows their system, how to talk to adjusters, how they think, and how to get back from them all that you've lost. That could be wages, time, property, or anything else that the accident has taken from you. Every minute you wait hurts your chance to be made whole again, and Stephanie knows that the opposing insurance company is building a case against you, so time is a factor. Stephanie cares about the truth, she builds your case on a rock-solid foundation of honesty. She will give you a clear understanding of what to expect during the process, and Stephanie will ensure that the truth comes to light. If you or someone you know has been in an accident, 
and you're not sure if you need an attorney, reach out to Stephanie Cover now at kbrightradio.com slash C-O-V-E-R. One of the phrases that you hear more and more, it's more and more common these days than probably ever before, is first responders. And oftentimes we think of people who work in the military or maybe in law enforcement, but more and more there are people who are doing first responder type of work for a variety of different issues, whether it's uh, you know, racial tensions in the street or uh, the coronavirus and people working in hospitals too. And today here on The Bottom Line, we're going to talk about a brand new resource that I think is going to help a lot of people. It already is. Uh, co-written by Lieutenant Colonel Grossman and Al Dave, Adam Davis. rather. Uh, Adam is the author of Behind the Badge and the Bulletproof Marriage series. He's a sought-after speaker for the first responder and military crowd. But today here on The Bottom Line Show, we're going to talk about a book that... Uh, uh, that Dave and Adam have written uh, called On Spiritual Combat, 30 Missions for Victorious Warfare. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Adam Davis, welcome to The Bottom Line Show. Hey, thank you so much for having me on, and uh, super grateful to have an opportunity to share with you folks. Well, let's talk about your background first, because we were getting ready yeah. to uh, go on the air here. You had mentioned that uh, the, one of the nice things about where you are right now is that you're no longer in the day-to-day, but God has really put you on a platform that says we're going to write for people who are doing that. What, what was your background prior to where you are right now? Yep, I'm a, I'm a former law enforcement officer where I served in uh, patrol and criminal investigations, traffic homicide, and I was a... Uh, uh, trained uh, hostage negotiator, and um, I actually have family that's still in law enforcement, and uh, I was there for you know for about six years, and uh, I had a I had a mighty encounter with uh, the love of God, and He pulled me out of a deep dark place, and so I had to replace that those bad habits I was doing with something good, right? And mm-hmm. so I began writing. And uh, so this that's what sort of set me on the journey more now. And honestly, I never saw it developing to this point. Um, it has really grown. And I'm really grateful uh, to be able to talk to police officers, uh, deputies, all law enforcement from across the nation, being able to just have that relationship and be there to listen to them, pray with them, and, uh, you know, sort of lock arms with them in, in a spiritual sense. I'll bet, and with the ministry that you're providing for them, Adam Davis, has got to be so valuable, especially now, because when we watch the headlines, if we were just to get our opinions of what's happening from current events and 30-second video sound bites and things like that, oh my goodness, not de- yeah, not denying the reality that there are some rogue renegade cops. I mean, you and I both know that, but at the same time, yeah. the tendency in the culture, I think they call it the cancel culture, is to say, well, if you see a video like that then all of a sudden it's well every cop is bad and i have to be you know i have to be on my yeah. lookout what's it like for the police officers what's it like for those who are on the front lines right now who are trying to not only fight for what is right and true and good but also fight off the negative stereotypes that often get foisted uh, on them yeah i mean it's you know you're looking at and 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 let me preface by saying this it's not every single department, but I do think that there's a degree of, of concern for every officer. It may be more in different areas. I mean, mm-hmm. let's face it, uh, if you're a if you're a police officer in Atlanta, Georgia right now, where, a, you know, the officer who was uh, in the fight with a, a gentleman who was arrested for, or being arrested for DUI, I think Sunday morning, um, he was just charged with murder and 10 other charges uh, just announced by the DA out of Atlanta. Uh, if you're a police officer with Atlanta and you see that he did everything by the book as far as the training's concerned from what we saw, 
um, you've got a higher level of concern. You've got a, a great deal of concern there. Um, you know, the DA obviously stacking charges on him. Um, they must know something that we haven't seen in the body cam video because that doesn't seem uh, proportionate to what he did there. And, uh, you know, it's, it, there's a lot of anxiety. I can't speak for every single police officer, but I know the ones I've talked to, there's a great deal of concern for their futures, for their ability to do the job, to be effective in, in, uh, in the, in the call that they've answered. And, and it should, it should concern every single American. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but at the same time, we've got to get to the point where we don't just group people together and, and label them just because of a group. It doesn't right. matter where they are and what group they are. Uh, we've got to get to some point to where individual accountability and individual responsibility is something that, you know, that we adhere to as a nation and not just yeah. group people together uh, like this. This is, this is absurd. Yeah, and when you get right down to it, I'm talking with Adam Davis today here on The Bottom Line, retired law enforcement and currently a, uh, a missionary to those who are literally first responders uh, working in military, law enforcement, and the like. The book is called On Spiritual Combat, 30 Missions for Victorious Warfare. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. As I often say on this program, Adam, uh, there are two groups of people in the world. There are friends of God and enemies of God. Other than that, That's right. you know, the other classifications really kind of muddy the water. And you are reaching out to the friends of God who are in these different uh, you know, vocations, whether it's military, law enforcement, or whatever. And you've got these different missions. Talk about why... Uh, <laughs> I, I'm chuckling only because you mentioned... For such a time as this, it seems like God brought you into a place of healing through this writing and speaking ministry that you now have, but now it's so important. What kinds of words of encouragement are you giving to these men and women who are in the military and law enforcement and first responders that they need to hear? You've got 30 of them. Talk about the types of, uh, uh, the types of uh, missions that you're talking about. Yep. Uh, so it, it begins with basic training and equipment where we we sort of bring uh, to the forefront of our mind the armor of God that's talked about in Ephesians by the Apostle Paul. And you read about the armor of God and the different elements of that, and one that's often not mentioned. Uh, you talk about the helmet of salvation and the, you know, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and all the others. But we often leave out the prayer part. So we talk about how to effectively mm-hmm. pray and, and sort of a strategy of prayer and recognizing the tactics of the enemy. And a lot of that you're seeing right now. I mean, this is going on right now. You're seeing it in, in our real world, in our, in our living world where we're at, in the natural. You're seeing it. And uh, this is essentially preparing and bringing to the forefront uh, the root cause of all evil that's going on in this world right now. We're, we're on the brink of something fantastic. We're on the door, or on the threshold of something absolutely fantastic. Otherwise, you wouldn't see... Uh, the evil that you're seeing at such a high level right now. Uh, and we are absolutely on the threshold of something beautiful. And I, 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 I can sense it. I can tell it's there. And, uh, I think we just keep fighting for, for the good, you know, fighting the good fight and, and keep the faith and, and something, you know, something big is about to happen. I'm, I'm so grateful you, you said that because I think when we remember that the world will do everything, I mean, they call the enemy the deceiver for a reason. I mean, he can't right. undo the fact that Jesus Christ won the war and the, that the Christ was right. on Calvary. I mean, that, that's, that's done. That, that's, that science is settled, as they would say. But the deception that comes in, and as you're describing it, too, the people who are 
<clears throat> here to serve and protect are being portrayed as evil and, and awful. And some of the people who are doing evil, awful things are now being held up as paragons of virtue. And it's a very, very confusing time for a lot of people. Talk about how you are ministering to these, well, I'll say law enforcement, but also military yeah. too. People who are, they say, wait a minute, what we're doing here is to, we're, we're designed to uphold the law and to, to serve people and protect them. And yet we're kind of being painted with a lousy brush, so especially for Christians. That's got to be a big challenge. You focus on what you can uh, control. You focus on the truth, and you keep the peace of God close, near and dear to your heart. Uh, I can tell you that there's nothing that compares to his peace in times of turmoil and crisis, times of chaos. There's nothing in this world that can touch what his peace will do for you. Uh, there's nothing, and, and, and there's nothing that can comfort you like the presence of God and like his love can. And when you have that peace and when you have that balance because of his presence and his peace and the strength of of knowing that through the eternal lens, uh, we will always be undefeated because of him. Uh, You cannot be defeated because you are bought by the blood of Jesus. You're completely redeemed. Uh, And so that is the that's the words of encouragement. So with that, with that knowledge, with that truth, you can now go forward and focus on what's in front of you. And you don't have to deal with the stuff that's outside of your control. You focus on what you can do, and that's to serve with excellence, to do your job and do do your job well, and uh, walk in the trust and faith in Him. And one of the applications of this book, Adam Davis, I would imagine, is that for those of us who are not in military, who are not in law enforcement, we don't have to do that kind of battle, to understand that we are still in spiritual warfare. And many Absolutely. of the same principles you're talking about here for law enforcement and first responders are also going to apply to us, too. Absolutely, you know, and I think one of the one of the greatest things that the uh, the American church can do, and I say every church, every denomination across the United States, one of the greatest things that we could do is call for a time of fasting and prayer, uh, not only for our nation but for our law enforcement. Um, you know, we we desperately need to come together uh, as believers. A recent study from the Pew Research Center said seventy point six percent of Americans said that they were Christians. That's, if I'm doing my math right, that's over 200 million Americans are Christians. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, what what can we do in spiritual warfare if we take to fasting and praying until we see some changes, some major changes, and see some uh, enemies defeated? Uh, so yes, I believe in that perspective. There's a lot of things that can apply to any believer who's willing to read it, take it up, and apply it. That's great counsel from Adam Davis today here on The Bottom Line. Co-author of the brand new book called On Spiritual Combat, 30 Missions for Victorious Warfare. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We'll take a break, and as we continue, we're going to talk about what it means to actually stay in the fight, because I realize there are a lot of people who are facing the stresses and challenges what we're seeing in the culture right now and saying, you know what, that's it, I'm out, I don't want to deal with this anymore. And yet, John 17 is clear, Jesus didn't pray to have us taken out of the world. He prayed for protection while we were still in the world. We'll talk about uh, some practical ways that we can remain in this spiritual battle with author Adam Davis in just a moment as the bottom line continues. One of the greatest gifts that we can give to an expectant mother is the gift of the first picture she'll ever have of her son or daughter in the womb. That comes through an ultrasound, and our friends at Preborn have an opportunity for us to make more of these ultrasounds a reality. Every time you give a donation of $28 to Preborn, that means one more ultrasound can take place. But how about giving enough money for an ultrasound machine? The cost is $15,000. It's a sizable investment. But every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year, and 
and lasts at least 10 years. Now take that cost $15,000 and divide that by 2,500. Okay, now you begin to see how the cost per ultrasound goes down even more once we have more ultrasound machines to donate into preborn clinics. Make a donation right now to preborn. It's completely tax deductible, and every penny, every dollar you donate right now is going to the purchase of an ultrasound machine. 833-850-BABY is the number to call, 833-850-2229, or go to kbrightradio.com. That's K-B-R-I-T-E radio.com. Click on the banner for Preborn and make your best donation right now. $25, $50, $100, it all counts towards saving babies' lives. KBrightRadio.com. Hit the Preborn banner right now. Welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and we're giving stuff away today, which I love. Adam Davis is my guest, and we're talking about his book called On Spiritual Combat, 30 Missions for Victorious Warfare, a spiritual warfare guide for military members, law enforcement officers, first responders, and all other sheepdogs like us. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Adam Davis is the author of the book Behind the Badge. We've had him on for that, as well as the, uh, uh, the book on Bulletproof Marriage. And, you know, this book actually came out about three years ago, three and a half years ago. It's still popular with people because more and more we're realizing that a spiritual warfare guide for military members has equal, if not more importance to those of us who are rank and file Christians, just kind of living the life that God has called us to live. And, you know, the beauty of knowing that we have that opportunity to be the man or woman of God that we're being called to be first involves us recognizing that we are engaged in spiritual warfare. And so military tactics don't necessarily mean, oh, am I going to blow up the bad guy or handle a weapon or whatever it is, but rather saying, well, wait a minute, look at Ephesians chapter six. Look at what the apostle Paul writes about in that battle where he talks about putting on the full armor of God and then describes what any Roman soldier would have been wearing. That's actually what their opposition would have worn because the Christians were you know, directly opposed to the Romans. But the idea was, hey, uh, these are weapons of warfare. It doesn't mean that you've got these and I've got something else. But then he goes through and describes the breastplate of righteousness and the belt of truth and the sword of the spirit and the helmet of salvation. And all of a sudden you begin to realize two things. First of all, there's nothing blocking your eyes so you can see. And secondly, there's nothing guarding your back because the idea is you're fighting side by side with interlocking shields with your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's good news to know you're in that spiritual warfare, and that is the bottom line on that. More of my conversation with Adam Davis talking about on spiritual combat coming up next as the bottom line continues in a moment. Adam Davis is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Adam is the co-author of a brand new book called On Spiritual Combat, 30 Missions for Victorious Warfare. And we've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Adam spent a number of years serving in law enforcement, and thank you for that service. And and now uh, the author of the book Behind the Badge and Bulletproof Marriage. And you actually, you're, you're blogging and you're sending out daily devotionals as well. Yeah, so Behind the Badge is, uh, is a 365-day devotion uh, that was published back May of 2018. And uh, it's, you know, imitation leather, great binding. You can put it in your, you know, your cargo pocket if you're wearing, you know, tactical pants and all that good stuff. You throw it in your bag. Uh, but it's written from a cop, uh, from a cop's heart to other cops, and uh, your your folks out in in L.A. and Sacramento and uh, out that way are 
some of the biggest fans of Behind the Badge and, and Bulletproof Marriage. And, and I think as time goes on with on spiritual combat, we'll see it true there. But certainly grateful uh, to see that law enforcement officers across America are taking this and using it, reading it before duty, reading it after duty, using it to sort of uh, recharge and refresh their uh, their spirits as they serve. I, I can imagine how valuable that is, especially as we talked about in the previous segment, when you see the media portrayals. And, and, and yeah. obviously, you know, we're calling it what it is. I mean, when you see things on video and you go, like, I can't really argue with that. But like you mentioned, too, the body cam, dash cam videos hopefully will tell the full story. And if they, you know, yeah. if those who are seeing those investigations see that. But the idea that we in the church, especially, should be praying for our brothers and sisters who are in the military and in law enforcement on a regular basis. I have to admit, Adam Davis, that I don't hear that a lot. I mean, I'm hearing this from you, but I don't hear that from a lot of Christians. It's like, well, we need police reform, or we need this, or we need better training, yeah. or something like that, instead of saying, hey, how about taking a day to fast and pray for law, local law enforcement so they would do their yeah. job in a God-honoring way? <laughs> and it sounds like what your resourcing does helps them do that with Beyond the Badge. Yeah, it, it needs it needs to be at the forefront of the conversation, uh, you know, with pastors, with ministry leaders, of uh, every size and every platform across the nation. Uh, I'm telling you, if you neglect your law enforcement, if if you know if your community did not have them, and you didn't have good cops serving, uh, you would you'll know it when they're gone. You'll know it, and you want to honor them and and pray that God will move in their hearts and lives in a very powerful way, but also in the lives of uh, of criminals and in the hearts yeah, and lives right. of the leader in the hearts and lives of, of leaders at every level across our nation. Uh, you know, there's, we just, we've got to get back to a place to where we're, you know, each individual takes a degree of personal responsibility for their actions instead of blaming it on somebody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, take, mm-hmm. take responsibility for what you're doing. And I think from, from an outsider's perspective, it would be, it would, it could spark a massive move of God if we were to come together as a nation, set a day and say, you know what? Uh, in, in 10 days, we're taking and we're going to uh, initiate this challenge where uh, every church across the nation, every congregant is going to take some time to fast and pray, uh, not only for the state of our nation, not only for the things going across, going on across the nation, but also for our you know, leaders, our law enforcement, uh, and, you know, for God to move and, and bring a, a, a sort of a sweeping move of healing across the nation, which is what we need right now. We need the enemy right. defeated. He needs to be crushed, and uh, we need the victorious and righteousness to rise. Mm-hmm. Amen. The great words of wisdom from Adam Davis today here on The Bottom Line. We're talking about the book that he has co-authored, along with Colonel Dave Grossman. The book is called On Spiritual Combat, 30 Missions for Victorious Warfare. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. You have a couple of different missions here, Adam, that I, I, I'm curious about because people who are looking for you know, victorious living and then they see that one of your missions is training to be miserable. Uh, can you help us understand? Can you help us understand that one? It seems a little well, like a paradox there. It is. You know, we he never promised us a life of comfort. He just promised us the great comforter. Uh, this world is ruled by evil. We are just passing through as as Christians, as men and women who have been redeemed by by God and by His great love. We are just passing through. So you. You know, it's a mindset that nothing's going to break you. You're not defeated. You'll never be defeated. And as long as your faith is in Him with that eternal aspect and perspective, uh, it, you can, you're willing to be miserable. 
You know, it doesn't, it doesn't, we're going to crucify the flesh. We're not going to make ourselves comfortable while our brothers and sisters are uh, falling by the wayside. We're going to fight for them. We're going to get in the fight. We're going to stay in the fight. And that may mean that, you know, if, if you're, uh, if you're not necessarily in, in law enforcement directly, you're never been in the military or you're not a firefighter EMT, then your purpose is to, you know, to get up every day and, and spend a few minutes praying specifically for your area's law enforcement. Uh, we could start a movement across the nation if we had somebody from every state, every city across the country get on social media and start this and uh, pray for law enforcement, pray for blue. We could start a, a national movement uh, to where we're going back to prayer. And I think that that's, that's where we have to be. And prayer is uncomfortable, especially when we're not praying and asking God for things for ourselves. Prayer is uncomfortable, uh, especially when we're praying for people that we don't like. If we pray for people we don't like or people we don't want to forgive, it can be uncomfortable. So it's a mindset thing, and I think as you dig into that that particular mission, you'll uh, you'll see some uh, some beautiful perspective. Yeah, boy, that, and that is great insight from Adam Davis today here on the Bottom Line. Uh, one of those missions that he talks about in his brand new book called On Spiritual Combat: Training to Be Miserable. And I love that you said that, Adam. Praying for people that you don't really like. I look at the what's happening within the police world, and you know the. The, the high-profile cases that are out there right now, and I'm sure there are people yeah. who are saying, okay, well, I'll pray for the victims, but I'm not praying for the cops. Those guys are bad. Or I'm praying for the cops, but those victims are all criminals. Instead of saying, hey, wait yeah. a minute, children of God, men and women created the image of God, shouldn't we be praying for everyone's heart to return to the Lord? Yeah. As opposed especially, to saying, especially those you don't like. Yeah, uh, exactly. love, is, and, love is easy when it's reciprocated at an equal <laughs> yes. or greater level. Yes, uh, yes. But when, when love is met with resistance, uh, that's when it really becomes love. I was in a, talking on an interview last week, and uh, I said, you know, the easiest thing about love is that it's only four letters, and it's pretty easy to spell. Everything after that requires hard work. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and if we're if yeah. we're willing to do the hard things, I was in a bookstore uh, a couple of years back, and walking up and down a, the Christian Living section, there was a gentleman there looking for a book, a really short story here. And uh, I suggested Behind the Badge. I was shameless author plug, right? I'm, uh, hey, check this out. You may get something out of it. And his whole demeanor changed. He was looking for a devotion, want to build his faith. And he turned up and he says, I hate cops. And used some you know, animated language. I hate cops. Uh, and gave me some reasons why. And then I said, uh, you know, why don't you take this and instead of hating cops, whether you get this or just read the Bible or any of the other books, Instead of hating them, pray for them every day. And then he just broke down. He said, I've never thought about that. Right. And he said, instead of hating them, I should pray for them every day. Because what does his word tell us to do? You know, those that have done you wrong, what, we should, what should we do for them? We should bless them. We should pray for them. And that's what we have to get back to. The church has got to rise. This is a, this is a, a, a momentous time for the church in America to rise up to the occasion and lead the way and lead the conversation for healing in every in every part of this country adam i got one more question for you here as we wrap up our conversation today and uh, maybe a, a little uh, more serious note i mean that what you just said was very profound and certainly uh, did not lack depth but one of the things that you write about in your book on spiritual combat 30 missions for victorious warfare we've got a link for the book up at the bottom line show.com is wondering how many people are trying to fight this battle and not resting in the Lord while they do it. Like they feel like I have to do something or my congressman has to do something. Yeah. Or, you know, somebody, has, <laughs> yeah. somebody has to do something with this issue instead of saying, hey, you call this an epidemic of sleep deprivation. Talk about that. 
Yeah, uh, we, you talk about sleep deprivation, and it's one of the leading causes of uh, uh, different disorders when you get down to uh, – you talk about suicide in law enforcement, which is you know largely ignored. Uh, there's a few organizations fighting to bring awareness to that. Uh, a lot of times those are sort of – you lead up to that with a lot of sleep deprivation. It leads to a number of other issues in your body. Uh, when you have the sleep, there's a lot of health benefits to that. It allows your body to heal. It gives your t- your mind time to heal, your spirit time to heal. And if we are willing to to acknowledge the fact, uh, if you you got to just read the book, read the chapter. Uh, sleep deprivation is is a major major problem in America, uh, and it's not easy for me. And it's not easy for, for others. Uh, okay. But you have to be able to recognize the signs and, and the causes of that, and look at the benefits of that. And, and I challenge you how it would how it will help you find tremendous healing there, and it's just one of the many factors that that sort of make you a better spiritual warrior, uh, make you more effective in the in the battle uh, that he's called us to. I love that. That's great wisdom and a great counsel from Adam Davis today here on the Bottom Line, the co-author of the brand new book called On Spiritual Combat: Thirty Missions for Victorious Warfare. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And Adam, where do we find you on social media again? Uh, you can find me on Facebook, the uh, official Adam Davis, or on Instagram, Adam Davis Official. Okay, and your website for Beyond the Badge? Yep, uh, my website is theadamdavis.com. Uh, okay. Some people across the country call it the, T H E, adamdavis.com. <laughs> but down here in Alabama, we say theadamdavis.com. <laughs> well, and that's what we we are, thebottomlineshow.com. So I know exactly what you're talking about there. Adam, thank you for your work. Thank you for this book. And thanks oh, for the my time. Goodness, I, thank I you. really, really appreciated the conversation. I know it's going to help a lot of people, but thanks for being with me today here on the program. Thank you so much. What a great resource. And, you know, it's fun. Whenever, I, like, a devotional book comes out, and you know, here's 30 devotions for this or 40 for this or 365 for that. I love the fact that Adam's book, with along with Dave Grossman, is called On Spiritual Combat, 30 Missions for Victorious Warfare. I love. Think of each day as an opportunity to do battle for the kingdom and to uphold the banner of Christ. Uh, we've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. This book has 500 plus five-star ratings. I mean, people just love this book. And um, I, I encourage you to, uh, to take a look at it online, see if it's something you'd like to get, and then give Crystal a call right now. We only have one copy of Adam's book um, on spiritual combat, but I'd love to give it to you. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. On Spiritual Combat, 30 Missions for Victorious Warfare, a spiritual warfare guide for military members, law enforcement officers, first responders, and all other sheepdogs. And this is, by the way, it's in faux imitation leather. It looks really cool, kind of a great thing. Uh, So if you're thinking about doing some Christmas giving, this is a great gift to have. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Okay, so just because you have a book like this and just because you're holding a book about this size and just because someone heard you were a Christian, this book has biblical principles in it, but it doesn't necessarily make it a Bible. What happens when word gets around that you're a Christian and people start talking about the Bible you carry and the cross that you bear and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, And then all of a sudden it turns out to not be true. As a Christian, how do you handle 
the, the idea that some people in the body of Christ might hold you up as an icon of spiritual virtue when it turns out in that moment you weren't, but you still have faith. I want to talk about an iconic moment during the World Series that ended last week. Um, it was the, well, actually the, one of the teams that went to the World Series. There was a playoff game that was played. We got, a, we got game sevens in both division series. And when the Arizona Diamondbacks were getting ready to play the Philadelphia Phillies, a uh, pitcher by the name of Brandon Fatt, who, uh, P-A-F, well, P-F-A-A-D-T, uh, Fatt, we'll call him, uh, was taken, uh, there was a picture taken of him that was shot all over the internet of him looking at what appeared to be a Bible before he was getting ready to pitch in game seven. So what happened when it turned out that wasn't the case? Well, you're going to get a chance to hear a good news story about how a young Christian guy was able to set the record straight so we in the church didn't damage our credibility by making him something he wasn't. We'll talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account, Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. We've had two great resources to give away today. Uh, the, the book by uh, uh, Adam Davis is up at thebottomlineshow.com. That's on spiritual combat. 30 Missions for a Victorious Warfare, a uh, spiritual warfare guide that will just help you in the warfare that we're in right now. And also Pastor Alex Pagani's, uh, Alexander Pagani's book called uh, The Secrets of Generational Curses, How to Break Them. Uh, we've had four copies we've been giving away of that book as well. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. The Baseball World Series ended last well, Wednesday night, was it, with uh, the, uh, or was it Tuesday? No, it was Wednesday, uh, with the Texas Rangers beating the Arizona Diamondbacks four games to one. Uh, first World Series championship for the Rangers in team history. The Rangers, it's interesting. Um, my Angels, I don't know if they're the LA Angels of Anaheim or the Southern California Angels or the Anaheim Angels, whoever they are. We just call them the Angels now. Um, won the World Series in 2002. The Angels came into existence in 1961, and that's the year I came into existence. So my kids like to tease me that I'm as old as the Angels. That's fine. It's all very well and good. When the Angels won their World Series in 2002, I remember being very emotional. Uh, just turned 41 years of age. It was kind of a tumultuous time in my first marriage, and that would just give me a little bit of something to smile about. But it was something that it was really impressive to see the number of players on that Angels team that were Christians, that were members of the body of Christ. There's always been players on both sides. So the people would say, oh, God must love this team because they won. 
ignores the fact that there's somebody else on the other team who also loves God just as much and God loves them as well. And that's what we got in the World Series. Um, the Arizona Diamondbacks came up short against the Texas Rangers and the Rangers also came into existence in 1961. They were the Washington, they were the reincarnation of the Washington Senators. There was a lot of moving around in the 60s. The Kansas City Athletics had moved from Philadelphia to Kansas City and then they moved to Oakland and then the Kansas City Royals were born. And then the Washington Senators moved from Washington, D.C. to Minnesota and became the Minnesota Twins at some point. But uh, then new Senators showed up and then they moved to Texas and became the Texas Rangers. So the Rangers franchise has been around since 1961, but they were the Washington Senators for their first 11 or 12 years of existence. And I know a lot of folks in Dallas who are just thrilled that the Rangers won. But had the Diamondbacks won, it would have been an equally cool story because of the fact that uh, the Rangers were the number five seed in the playoffs on the American League side. The Diamondbacks were the number six seed. They had to play through wild card games. Arizona had two different seasons. First month of the year, they were the best team in baseball. Then they kind of fell flat. Then they rallied again at the end of the year, wound up with 84 wins, which is just over 500. And, um, and But then they played great in the playoffs, swept the Dodgers, uh, went after whoever they went after that, and then they beat the Phillies in the National League Championship Series. Game seven starter was a guy named Brandon Fott. And this is a guy, he's a rookie. Uh, he played a vital role um, in pitching in uh, that decisive game. He wound up in game seven, throwing four innings, struck out seven. But it's interesting because there was a picture that someone took of him before the game sitting on the bench. He was holding what looked like a small book and he was reading it. And this is before he made his entrance. He was a reliever, I guess. And... Um, uh, Oh, no, he t I take that back. He was the starting pitcher. He pitched four innings. And right after the D-back scored a run in the top of the first, he was getting ready to take the mound, and there was a picture of him looking at what looked like a Bible, and it went viral. Hey, this guy's praying. He's reading his Bible before he goes on air. Isn't this great? And you dig into his history and find out what Brandon fought, went to a Catholic high school, uh, is pretty outspoken about his Christian faith. And so it, it just made the story that much more delicious, right? I mean, back in 1988, when the Dodgers won everything, Oral Hershiser, the pitcher, uh, the Dodgers weren't that great a team, but they played great in the playoffs. And Hershiser was the guy who kind of carried them on his back, starting pitcher. He wound up, they, uh, Tommy Lasorda wisely in game five against Oakland, had him pitch the last inning of relief to let him be the one who, you know, got the final out. He was a very outspoken Christian, and uh, I think it was Jerry Jenkins wrote his uh, biography, and uh, he was just a wonderful guy. But, you know, everybody loves a Christian when they win. What happens when the team loses, right? <laughs> so Arizona Diamondbacks made the World Series largely because of Brandon Fott's outstanding start. So the picture goes viral. People are going, this is great. Look at this Christian guy. I mean, he's so calm and cool, collected. He's, he's reading the Bible before he goes out to pitch the first inning. And then Brandon Fott had to uh, make an awkward confession. He uh, was interviewed by a reporter from CBN, uh, 20, uh, Will Dawson, the reporter's name. And so he, uh, he asked the question, he says, what exactly were you reading there? Was it the Bible? What chapter of the Bible? What, what book were you reading? Finding inspiration. And he said, uh, well, actually, um, it wasn't the Bible. It wasn't the Bible. Well, then what was it? Pray tell, young man. Well, we're going to find out what it was 
and why his reaction to this was an even stronger acknowledgement of his faith in Christ. That's coming up next as the bottom line continues. Keep it right here. You know the old expression, a picture is worth a thousand words. Well, if you're an expectant mom and you go to a pregnancy health center that is in partnership with Preborn, one picture can say way more than that. And that picture I'm talking about is an ultrasound picture. Every donation that goes to Preborn goes to providing ultrasounds for women who are expecting children and they want to know what all of their options are. When you call 833-850-BABY right now, you give a gift of $28 that provides one ultrasound. But if you give a gift toward the purchase of an ultrasound machine, now that's a $15,000 investment, but every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year and last a minimum of 10 years. That's 2,500 ultrasounds available to women right now. Think of all the babies, thousands of babies' lives that will be saved by your donation to Preborn right now. Call 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Make your best donation right now. $50, $100. Maybe you want to give $15,000. It's completely tax deductible. We've had a couple of bottom line listeners step up and do just that. 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn right now. Welcome back to this Good News Friday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and uh, we're taking a look at this uh, very interesting turn of events. The playoffs are done now in Major League Baseball. The Arizona Diamondbacks made it to the World Series uh, before losing in five games to the Texas Rangers. But prior to their Game 7 National League Championship Series uh, tilt with the Philadelphia Phillies, remember Arizona was down three games to two. The Phillies had won Game 5 rather handily, like 10 to nothing in Arizona. They had to go back and win two games in Philadelphia, and they did. All the Phillies... Best hitters choked. They were like one for 20 or something. And it was on Arizona's pitching, including a guy named Brandon Fott, uh, that they were able to win the league championship series in uh, the National League and go to the World Series. Now, it's interesting because prior to his performance in Game 7 of the NLCS, um, a picture was taken of him, and he was staring at what looked like a Bible or book of that size, sitting on the bench. He was the starting pitcher for that game. His team had straight, staked him to a one nothing lead, and here he was getting ready to go out on the field when Baseball Lifestyle said, hey, look at this. This is awesome. Uh, D-backs pitcher Brandon Fatt appears to be reading the Bible moments before taking the mound in a winner-take-all game seven. And somebody else said, hey, I need some help on this. First time in all my years watching baseball, I'm watching a player reading a Bible in between innings in the dugout. What does everybody else think? And, yeah, Republican uh, House Judiciary Committee Chair Jim Jordan tweeted out, said, we need more of this in sports. So finally, CBN, Christian Broadcasting Network, sent a crew to interview this guy to find out about this amazing story, and they found out that, well, it wasn't the Bible. Uh, Will Dawson from CBN interviewed Brandon Fat and said, what was it like uh, reading the Bible before he went out there? He said, actually... Uh, I am a man of faith, but that wasn't a Bible. Um, It's just a little booklet journal that I've kept all year. It's a scouting report. (laughs) He was just doing a little bit of cram session before he went out there. Now, this is a guy who is a graduate of Trinity High School in Louisville, Kentucky. He went to Bellarmine High School, or University rather, which is a private Catholic school also located in Louisville. But This is a guy who's very outspoken about his faith. He was drafted in 2020 in the MLB draft. Arizona selected him in the fifth round. 
And when he was selected, he said he was trusting in God's sovereignty regarding where he was going to be on the biggest day of his life. He talked to uh, uh, local news outlet WRDRB. He said, you know, there's a lot of anxiety coming up to this moment, but I think you've just got to keep working hard no matter what happens, whatever it does. God has a plan. Just keep working hard every day. Hopefully your dream will come true. Um, this is a guy, remember Michael Lawrenson, pitcher for the Philadelphia Phillies, used to play for the Angels, local guy here, threw a no-hitter in August for the Phillies and then gave glory to God. By the way, the people who would look at the Christians and say, well, these Christians only show up when they're winning. Well, uh, Brandon Fatt, uh, or Fott, rather, um, his team won the National League Championship Series. Michael Lawrenson is no less of a man of faith, and his team lost. But I appreciate the fact that in a moment that could have turned ugly, no, it was just a scouting report, sorry. And then the left goes after Christian saying, see, they're always trying to Christianize everything, see, you know, whatever. The fact that Brandon had the opportunity to set the record straight, and he did. He had the opportunity to say, look, I'm going to tell the truth about the situation. The reality is, yes, I am a man of faith. Yes, I do read my Bible on a regular basis. Yes, I like Evan Carter, who uh, the, the rookie was in double A on August 28th and wound up getting, uh, getting on base safely in all 17 postseason games the Rangers played this year, including driving in what proved to be the winning run in the deciding game. This is a guy who has a T-shirt that said Jesus won in Texas Rangers colors as a W-O-N. And then, actually, when he's giving post-game interviews, was wearing his I Am Second wristband. See, this is what the world needs. It's not that we need, quote-unquote, more Christians in the public eye. God is going to elevate the humble and humble the proud. And here are two young guys on the world's biggest stage as far as baseball is concerned, having an opportunity to share their faith in Christ in a very casual, nonchalant manner. Evan Carter with his Jesus One t-shirt and his I Am Second wristband. Brandon Fott saying, hey, I know you thought it looked like I was reading the Bible because people know he's a Christian. That's just a scouting report. But yeah, I do read the Bible and it's very, very important for me to read. Let your light so shine before others, Jesus said, that they would see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven, the one who compels us to those good works. Let your light so shine, this little light of mine indeed. That's the good news, and that's the bottom line.